All right, this one is a special one. We have the Auburn Women's uh, First Championship Dynasty Group. Uh, very exciting podcast today. So just want to introduce David Marsh, Kim Bracken, Demarie Christensen, Maggie Bowen, and Mimi Bowen. Thanks for joining us today. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Hello. All right, we've got a lot to talk about, and we're going to take as much time as we need. Have a little bit of fun with it. Maybe a few drinks along the way. So, uh, David, you can kind of get us going here. Um, just talk to us about the, the group that we have with us today. Well, Brett, this is, uh, first of all, the first thing that happens when you see this is just your heart just wells up. So I'm, uh, I'm feeling very full right now and very, uh, uh, just, just very pleased to see everybody. Everybody's doing great in their respective worlds. And, and thanks for pulling us together, Brett. And, uh, I think what I'd say about our, our women's program is uh, that when I first returned back to Auburn and the first NCAA championship that we went to in 1990, I went to NCAAs with one swimmer, uh, Christy Kruger, who's Christy Jett now also, and she only swam one event. Back then, you could only swim the events you qualified for, and she swam the 100 fly, and in the 100 fly, she disqualified on the start in that one event. And so we had sort of a, uh, a, a, a challenging start to the run from the 90s on into what ended up being this year, which is really where the NCAA championships started happening. And one thing was really evident was uh, the early on 90 to 94 team, and we had a Zoom call with that whole group uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, there was an uh, investment by that group to – bring in people and to make the place better for the long term. And, and part of what we see here as we, as we go into the late 90s and especially into the 2000s when we started winning NCAA titles was that early investment in uh, recruiting somebody to replace you basically or figuring out ways to, uh, uh, to, to get a little bit more out of, out of themselves while they were at Auburn, the different assistant coaches we had over the years. Everybody sort of left a mark in, in Auburn, in most cases, those marks were really good and really strong. And I, I think that's something that, that doesn't, doesn't go away. And when you talk to people, I think there's a appreciation for all that. Another piece that, that I, I would say is, is, is foundationally important to me anyway, is that the, in the, in the, when I came back to Auburn, I came back on a mission because the team had, had uh, sort of dropped down some. It wasn't doing as well. And the worst part about it was there was really no pride. I mean, that season before I went and watched the SECs, uh, Stephanie Putsey, who's Stephanie Barnes now, had won the, the 200 breaststroke. But other than that, there wasn't much like pride in the program. And when I swam in Auburn in the, uh, in the late 70s, uh, we, we didn't win anything, but we had like this uh, willingness to go to battle with anybody like we didn't give any meets away and we thought we could win everything although we never won anything well we never won any championship titles and I think that that sort of burned in me and so when I went back to Auburn I had a real passion uh, to sort of show that Auburn can win championships you know Auburn hadn't won a championship in any sport except football they tied for a title in uh, 58 with Suge Jordan and the in that in that really sort of always set me uh, a fire. So I went into Auburn on fire to sort of a chip on my shoulder to, to, to prove something. And at the same time, uh, 
I always loved Auburn and still do in that it's a place that gave me a chance as a, as a, a young man, not just a swimmer, but a young man. And it developed me in many ways into the person I would be. The, the, the chance to get to go, go coach there was even better. But it became obvious over the years that as the team improved and got better and moved up the rankings and developed uh, into to sort of next level, that the real critical piece was, was the sort of the selection and development of the people that would make up the team. And our women's team, I think, was the most interesting because uh, I think in many ways early in, in the mid-90s, they sort of got lost behind the men and the priority after the men had won at conference in 94 and then won the first national championship in 97, they, they, uh, there needed to be some kind of uh, shakeup. We were doing better. We went from 97, we were 7th, 98, we were 6th, 99, we were 11th. And then 2000, we were fifth. I got that from Kathy Durden. But, the, but the, the trajectory wasn't the same as what it was. And so I think one of the best things I could have done is I, I was, when I was scanning the deck at NCAAs, I looked over the Northwestern bench. And I was really kind of fascinated by this woman over there with incredible energy in the bench area. And uh, when I talked to her and I talked to her coach, uh, Jimmy, her head coach, Jimmy Tierney, only amazing things to say about her, I said, all right, how can I steal that woman away to be my, uh, to help me lead this program? Because really what we're, in many ways we we're missing was female leadership uh, and, and uh, from a coaching perspective that was consistent, strong, and lived by example. And Kim's a, as, as a, has been a lifetime athlete, and she's also someone that, uh, as, as you'll, if you don't know her yet, you'll know in a second here, has phenomenal communication skills and she's an amazing coach and and so let me uh sort of pass that on to kim because you know, the the i'll let her tell about her her recruiting story to auburn but it was as good as any swimmers recruiting story that we had because she was coming from chicago and i don't think she was that interested in coming down south but uh we ended up getting her but kim this is what happens when uh when we put it all together kim this kind of phone call years later so good to see you kim thanks yeah, it's really good to be here and see everybody. Um, when we talked about doing this talk, I just was reminded of, I think the word I would put around the whole thing is just growth, right? For me personally and growth as a team, like each one of these young women, well, you're not so young anymore. Um, <laughs> they were at the time though. Um, the growth into something more and, you know, deciding to leave the fabulous city of Chicago to move to Auburn, Alabama um, was a decision about growth and opportunity. And um, David is right. I, I think you asked me at the Charlotte Ultra Swim in May to consider coming to um, Auburn. And I was like, no, no, thank you. Sorry. <laughs> And then again in like June and in July, and it was in August when Bob Grosseff was like, you should really just think about it. You should go look at least. Like, why would you say no? And it was all about Alabama. I had no desire to live in Alabama. Um, so my message right there is don't be close-minded about opportunities ahead of you. You need to check things out before you make a decision, right? Get all the pieces of information. So people that are, kids that are listening to this that, you know, are like poo-pooing a certain place because of where it is, go take a look because you might be missing out on something. Um, so I did, I went down on a trip and 
Rowdy drove me around in a convertible to look at houses. And um, <laughs> yeah, it was pretty awesome. And then, of course, I had a great trip and the team was really excited and the men were coming off their championship. Um, it was pretty clear, though, being there that the women were like the, just the younger sister, you know, like the guys were it. They were the superstars. And um, I was like, wow, I think that I could be impactful here. Like, this is a place where I really could be needed. Um, and so it, and you know, it's, it's fun to be wooed. It's fun to be recruited. I got that. It made me think about how I needed to recruit differently as I recruited. Um, and then on the way back, flying back, um, we ha I happened to David meets uh, Bo Jackson in the airport and we ended up sitting <laughs> together on the airplane. <laughs> so that was pretty cool too. Um, so it was a pretty good Auburn experience. Um, but leaving was hard, but I, um, I know that I wanted to do something bigger and better in coaching. And I had an immediate sense that this was a place where there could be growth. And that's exactly what happened. So that's, you know, that's kind of the intro I would like to, to leave you guys with. Um, yeah. Well, I want to get around to all the women too that are here. And Mimi, you are the first person uh, amongst the three of the group here that to, to choose Auburn. Why did you, where'd you come from originally? Why'd you choose Auburn? And, and what was your experience like while you were there? Well, I, uh, I feel like I have a little bit of a different experience than Demaray definitely and Maggie also. I do feel, I resonate with what David said about feeling a little bit like the younger sisters, like totally team, family, um, that, but so that was a little bit of my experience, a little bit of, you know, um, second, second tier, whatever, but having Kim come in was just like fantastic. And, um, but what was I going to say about Auburn, like getting there, it's like a lot of kids come for coaches. Nowadays, kids pick their schools or whatever because of the coach or, you know, someone's going to go to Columbia because Demaray or people will go, you know, wherever because of their coach. But I went to Auburn because I loved Auburn, like didn't even appreciate David truly for who he was as a coach until I got there and got to know him. But like, you know, there, there was no draw this, this program that is like, you know, a, some dynasty like a Georgia or wherever Stanford at the time, you know, it was really just Auburn and I just loved Auburn and wanted to be a part of making it great. And so I feel like, you know, Demaray got and Maggie got lots of, um, team championships and I, I do feel a little bit left out in that way but I feel like I still have you know part of that history you know part of creating that or that environment or whatever. Hey Mimi on your uh, recruiting trip wasn't there a uh, tall handsome fella that uh, you met on that recruiting trip can you can you tell us about that a little bit? <sighs> No, you didn't meet him. I mean, that, that's not when y'all's relationship started. Well, we did not actually. There was many, probably. <laughs> there were probably many tall, handsome boys on different recruiting trips, to be completely honest. But um, I did. I, you know, met Jeff there. And I, I mean, we didn't really, much to David's chagrin, we didn't start dating until December, technically. But we're still married, so <laughs> it all worked out, I guess. So, 
So, so Maggie, you were next, I guess. You followed your sister to Auburn. Mm -hmm. Why did you choose to, to do that? Uh, well, I, I did look at some really great schools. And it, um, so I went, I wanted to go somewhere and be fast. And, and I think when I looked at Auburn, it was because of Mimi, because she's my older sister. She's my cool factor. I loved, you know, she's just a natural leader. So of course I want to follow her, but I was open to other things because I really wanted to go somewhere and be successful. But when I went there, I also fell in love with Auburn, but I was also like, and I'm gonna go, I'm gonna be fast there. Like I bought into that, I bought into David and Kim, and I was like, well, I can have the best of both worlds. I can be with my best friend and I can also be awesome and win. And, and I feel like they were setting the stage for future winning. And that's what I really wanted to do. So um, it just felt like the perfect match. I, I, I felt like David and Kim, they you just know how to recruit. I mean, it's like, you know, you learn as you go about how to recruit and what people need to hear, not just want to, but what they need to hear and how to sell the program. And, and I needed to hear certain things and I'm sure you geared it towards me and, and I, I believed it and I was all in and it was, was great and I the fact that we dressed up as feeder girls for yeah. on your recruiting trip that, that was weird a, a little too. bit like wow okay we're doing this <laughs> what girls it was it was Hooters. just really fun like, and Hooters restaurant that's what we all dressed up we had one for mags yeah. there yeah. yeah but Mimi was just a natural leader even though I think that she doesn't know that and doesn't know how much of an impact she had on the program because maybe it wasn't necessarily pre-thought out or intentional at the time, but she just has a good work ethic. She's very, she was very gifted, very fast, very trusting and of her coaches and uh, wanted to be a part of an atmosphere that was successful. And that's also what she saw and maybe didn't realize she, that that drew her in. So I think one thing too, that that's, different with you, Maggie, is you were, as I recall, Kim, you were one of our first sort of franchise swimmers. You were recruited by everybody in the country, full scholarship, no question. You were a slam dunk, what they call now a five-star recruit. And, uh, and, and so recruiting you was a different experience. I mean, I got past the bow grid of the, in, in the living room, so that was good. <laughs> and uh, Bo's her father, by the way, and he's a wonderful yeah. man. But he he would interview everybody in the in the living room and all the boys, yep, everybody. <laughs> and uh, but we got through that. But but you know I think that was a, a somewhat of a turning the corner as we learned how to recruit uh, the best in the country. Which you know, and previously we would get really good people, but not not always the top top recruits. So Kim, do you recall that as being that was that was she the first sort of five star nat, you know slam dunk recruit we we were Definitely. able to definitely one of the first I think there were some others in her class like I don't I'm not good with remembering years but like Tara Kirk I think you guys were he was two similar. years behind you behind me yeah okay or maybe even two because I think <laughs> yeah but Tara Kirk didn't swim at all and so I know I'm just saying there were other women <laughs> that we she was a good that person were, that like, were very good we would we would attract a lot of good people because our team was getting better and, and we worked really hard at recruiting I mean there you go building a championship team 
you got to work your ass off in recruiting. You have to know the type of athlete your te team needs, and then you have to take all the little steps. You got to talk to their club coaches. You got to get to know their parents. You got to make sure they trust you. You got to tell them why they're going to swim fast there and who's going to support them. Um, and I think with Maggie, it was maybe a little bit easier because she'd already seen it done with her sister, right? And I would agree. Mimi was a very good leader by example. I mean, she's somebody who you could just be like, do it like that. Yeah. Just do it like this and you're going to get better. Um, and not everybody on our team was like that. And I think probably I talked to Mimi earlier. If she had been on a team three years later, she might have had an even higher level of success, right? Because the group would have helped lift her up as well rather than her pulling people, the, the group along to some degree. Um, so the recruiting really changes as your team develops and starts becoming this championship level team, your recruiting changes. And that can become a downfall, I think, for programs like that think, okay, I'm just going to recruit all the top level athletes now. One of the things that we did best at Auburn is we identified talent, hard workers, kids who came from programs where they weren't completely you know, spent by the end of their senior year and we're going to continue to develop. And um, so one of the things David said early on was recruit people who were better than you. Recruit to be replaced. I mean, that is what this team did best. It was, there wasn't a lot of ego like, well, she's already faster than me. I'm not going to help recruit that girl. Mm. It's like, let's go, bring it on. Come on. It's going to make me and my team better. And that is, I think, a pillar of why we were so good for so long. Well, I want to dig into that specifically, but I also want to talk to the winningest person on the podcast here, which is Demaray Christensen. Oh, clear, clearly the person that won the most. Three championships. Is that right, Demaray? Three championships. Yes. Um, and kind of to go with Kim and, and David talked about, like, I grew up in Wyoming. There are more cows and people in the state of Wyoming. And like, you know, I remember Kim coming to Gillette, Wyoming and was like, hey, you're going to win a championship. And I was like, really? And she's like, we're going to win. I was like, all right, I guess I'll go to Auburn. Like, I just, <laughs> you said we're going to win. And I think, you know, as a coach now for 15 years, like my experience at Auburn was, was amazing. Like Maggie Bowen is my best friend, maid of honor. Kim married me at my wedding, like David, like the, the friendships that we've had through our experience and time at Auburn is, is unforgettable. But I just remember Kim like sitting in my kitchen and was like, we're going to win a championship. And I said, well, all right, I believe you. And I think that's what made my class was a little bit different. I felt like my class was people who weren't the best recruits. However, they identified the talent and all of us got better. Like, Every single person in my class, there was eight of us. And, you know, my senior year, I think six of us were on the NCAA team. Like, we just got better. And that comes from Kim and David, like, identifying the talent. Like, my, my years were with Nally Coughlin. Like, of course, Nally's a much better swimmer than I am. However, like, they, got, they built a team of people who could score top eight at NCAAs. And when you have enough of those people, that's what wins championships. So... I believe Kim when she said that we were going to win and I started off wanting to go to Florida. No offense to Florida. I'm so glad I didn't, but like Kim really changed the narrative. Like you should come here and we're going to win. I was like, all right, sign me up. Let's win. 
Well, cool. Well, you won three times, so she she was right. That was pretty good. Um, I want to dig into that, uh, David and Kim. So, David, you you're you start in ninety. Kim comes in ninety seven, and then you don't win till oh two. So, first of all, you're not winning for seven years before you make the decision to bring Kim in, and then it takes another five years, I guess, to to win your first championship together. So, first of all, why did you make the decision? At that point, what, what were you feeling like you were missing? And then what were the first conversations like in order to build the next five years? Well, you know, one of the challenges in the women's side of swimming was that, was that there was a tendency for a long time for the best women to go to the same college. Mm-hmm. And so different than the men where the, the, the talent and the recruits were a little bit more spread out, maybe amongst 10 or 12 teams, in swimming – for many, many years, you know, you went to Florida, you went to Stanford, mm. or you went to Texas. And those are the three one, those are the big ones you went to. And then Georgia came up. And so, it, but there wasn't the, 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 the competition at that level for recruits and for the top swimmers that would be high impact uh, were, were, were not as available. And, and also, there weren't as many internationals on the women's side that would be coming into the NCAA program. Men's side was filled with um, men, uh, international athletes. Women's side, a lot more U.S. athletes made up the NCAA, uh, you know, all the rosters. So I think it, it, it took longer because we had to climb a higher hill. I mean, it was not the same, the same as uh, winning the men's championship where we brought, you know, we brought you in. You went NCAAs your first year. We got Roman Barnier, Lionel Moreau. Man, bam, you know, if you guys all arrive in January and it's like, what happened to this team? Shocked everybody. So I would say the women's team was probably grown, I'd say, more organically and over time. And I think that's uh, that says a, a lot more for the, the buy-in for people along the way where it made a difference. And, you know, in that window of time, we went from uh, working on, in essence, our branding because – uh, as, as much as Kim said, look, you know, there's a sort of a stigma about Alabama, deserved or not deserved. There's a, there can be a stigma about that. And we had to work on that, uh, that image. So we worked on branding our swim team within the university, within the swimming community, within the, uh, within the, 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 uh, within the recruiting, you know, sort of the eyes of recruits. There was no swim swam back then. There was no Brett Hawk podcast back then. It was like, you had, to, you had to figure out how to navigate your way into getting two lines in swimming world so that you got remembered as something, uh, or even within the campus. You know, we'd send out our own promo stuff to the dean's offices to make sure they were uh, aware that we had a swim team on the campus. And, and, so, and, and I would end up, you know, battling with the athletic directors and things like that to give us the publicity that we deserve given that we were most of the years, we were the top athletic team on campus. And I was like, look, we want, we want the accolades to this too. And so there'd be a lot of time and energy spent on that. You know, each year we won championships. I'd go in and sort of ask for something upgraded within our infrastructure, whether it be a locker room, eventually a 50 meter pool probably put me over to exhaustion with the athletic department there. But uh, we did get to 50 meter pool eventually. But the, I think the window of time that I was, that I was, uh, that, that when we were building in that window, some, I, I think it's the most fun time. I think of the staffs we had when we were building then. We, one of the keys to winning culture is joy and laughter. And the ladies on this call, the, I mean, I, there, there is, there's so much laughter available. Uh, you know, even to this day, when, when, when we get together, 
that I think that is something that carries you through time. If you're doing it out of duty and sort of a, a driving purpose without joy, I, I just don't believe it can happen. And I think even though a lot of people didn't, you know, 99% of the people that came to Auburn, they weren't coming first for the school. They're coming to join the swim team. And then, but they would learn to love the school. And, you know, you would find the, the, the absolute love for the institution of Auburn. So there'd be more sort of an, an accumulated uh, purpose behind what you want to represent when you put on that Auburn jacket and you went into the, went into battle with the swim meets. So I think there's a lot of levels and, and hopefully that helps explain a little bit more what I thought happened during that window. Yeah. Well, let me say this, Kim, you were right. When, when you came in 97, it was all about the men and I, and I was part of that. And so, but, but I'll tell you this, I felt your impact immediately. Like I knew that there was a woman on the deck and there was a strong woman and she was confident. She knew what she was doing. She could coach the hell out of people. Like it, it you made an impact um, through your actions, through your words, all those sorts of things. So it was obvious that there was change coming. But, but you know, what was your mentality in that period of time coming into that kind of very male-dominated fixture? Um, well, I kind of too, like, almost schizophrenic here. I was super intimidated, right? Like, this is like a championship program. And, and the women, you know, albeit we weren't winning anything, but super fast. Like, this is a great program. So I was a little intimidated and also starting a new job, right? But the guy, it's really, I mean, I really appreciate you saying that. I am shocked a little bit that you said that because I never knew that. I, did. Oh, I have no idea. No idea. Because I felt like one of those boy freshmen. Like I felt like Dave Denniston or Greg Bussey or Jeff Summonsato. Like I, I, could, um, I could empathize with them in terms of being like the low man on the totem pole. Um, it was, it was, and that, that sort of made me, just want the women to get better that much more like these guys understandably so think they're the shit right sorry if we're not supposed to swear yeah, um, it's all good they they just won a championship and you got you know you were just all bravado it was just all testosterone everywhere and the women are like yay they're our big brothers i'm like okay well what are you gonna do like come on so there was this while it was um you know, in, sort of intimidating me to come into a new job. There was just this energy that I had to say, we, we can build that too. You have all the resources. David just talked about it. Everything he asked for would benefit the women, whether he, he asked for it for the men, like, Hey, don't, by the way, don't forget, we have this, these national championship men here. Well, the women are getting recognized too. And they're getting all the same things that the men would then get. Um, so I knew that there was the possibility that this team these women could, could grow something. Um, but it was, it was really tough. It was a man's world. Mm. It was a man's world there. And um, luckily David hired somebody who um, could sort of verb, I could verbalize myself. And David was super respectful to me about that. In fact, I think I had it a lot easier than some of our, my male colleagues. I think that the male assistant coaches had a much rougher time with David than I did. Um, maybe it's just a chivalrous kind of thing. I don't know. He, he would listen to me and really respected my opinion and would say, okay, if you think that go ahead, Kim run with that. So I had, a, I had some autonomy that I really appreciated and took advantage of. 
Um, not I me, mean, not in a bad way, but I just, I went with it. And, um, and I really appreciate that. I think that was, that was part of what allowed us to kind of, to kind of grow when David, David would check in. It wasn't like, you know, he totally just let me go, go, but I had the ability to try to create that atmosphere and, and a 30 women who were willing to come along with it. That's part of it too. You got to have people who are good followers, right? And who are willing to follow and say, okay, you think that's going to help us get faster? We'll do it. Well, that's a good point. Uh, Maggie, you talked about Mimi in terms of her leadership and how great a leader she was. Mimi, what are the things, what are the, what are the changes that you made in terms of when you first came in, it was just about, oh, I'm going to have fun on this team. It's great. And then all of a sudden Kim comes in and it's like, hey, we need to start thinking about winning. Did you feel a shift in terms of maybe the, the decisions that you had to make between being just a, a swimmer that was happy to be on a team or what, what Demaray would call a t-shirt collector, you know, and then wanting to be somebody that wins championships? I'm not sure that I was ever okay just having fun and just being, <laughs> I mean, like, maybe, maybe in my, these last years, I've gotten a little less competitive, but it was always, I mean, like, I wanted to win, like, and everything I've wanted to do my whole life, it's one about, about winning, and the process, and working hard to get there, so I, I don't want to say that it's like, it wasn't just Kim coming in that, you know, shifted our focus, because we always wanted to win, it's not, and you, you had know, already you know, won, you had won as an individual, yeah, so it's like, let me win as much as I can, and I want to do what I can to win, so, but it was just like we had more tools now. When Tim, when Kim came in, we had a voice. There was someone kind of in our corner. I mean, we always had David, and you know, and the the means to get there. And it was like we now we have another this other piece of the puzzle to help us succeed in that way. But I I was never just in it to thought for like just for oh I'm gonna go swim in college and just have a good time. No, it was it was definitely about winning. And another thing about Auburn that I want to step back a little bit and just remember, like I think I, I knew the talent that David had for picking people that were not necessarily heard of to get, and making them faster. And I was like, oh, you know, that was something that I kind of knew about Auburn before even going there. And I'm like, I could be one of those people. And Thankfully, I was. I mean, I was, you know, a good swimmer, but, you know, that, that experience at Auburn, I mean, you know, Maggie was awesome when she got there, and then she got even better. So there was, like, you know, the ability there. And then Kim was just the kind of the pushing, pushing that train along a little bit. I will say we didn't talk about winning right away. Like, when I got there, it wasn't like, okay, now we're going to win. It yeah. was about, okay, let's have our own identity. You're not just the girls, right, of the guys' team who won. Mm -hmm. You are your own team. So let's build an identity. Who do we want to be? And let's be hard workers. Let's be fit. Let's be really fit women. Which <laughs> and... is a great phrase, I would say. <laughs> still, fit. yeah. All about fit. Always. Not, still not skinny. Fit. <laughs> um, working hard, taking pride in working hard, taking pride in being good teammates to each other, taking pride in that what David talked about way back when was like, whether we win or not, we're going we're gonna to put everything out there and we're going to enjoy that process of getting after it. And I think that was like the spark. It wasn't really about, we weren't going to win anything right away. Um, well, Maggie, your first, let me say this, Maggie, your first two years 
you didn't win the national championship and then the next two years you do win. What's the difference between the first two years and the second two years? Uh, I think the depth of the team. And I think we recruited differently and better. And, um, and I think the conversations probably with the people that we wanted to include were different. Like you, like you said, Kim, like at first your recruiting conversations weren't about winning. And I think once you got more confidence in the program, David got more confidence in the program, the conversations started to change. And so they changed with the recruits. They changed amongst our team to like, okay, well, actually let's shift it. Let's shift to winning. And so the conversations and the goals just changed. And, and, and so, so it was now a possibility. So that's what changed. And I, and I think it's just gaining confidence. I think one of the interesting things that we are talking about that has a big theme amongst this conversation, maybe that's different from other like national championship women's teams is that actually just establishing ourselves as women that deserve to be there that are awesome. And we're not little sisters. We're not second fiddle. We are our own thing. And we, it was something we had to overcome at a certain extent. And and that's not anybody's fault. It's just how it happened. It, it, we came into a program of very strong, talented, successful men that were their own thing. So we had to overcome being that, you know, what we were. We had to say, no, that's not us. We do not want to be that. And we're going to be something different. We're going to be our own thing. And I think, you know, because of day, I mean, it, uh, leadership in that scenario is such a huge factor um, that, you know, it, it was just like the stars align. There's many different reasons to be or, or why that was successful, but it, it was. And, and it, it happened pretty quickly with a lot of determined people. And so, you know, to have the confidence to say things like, no, I want to win. And I don't, I don't want to win a little bit or for one time. I want to win for a long time. And I want this program to win for a long time. And just, just having the confidence to say that and have those conversations, say it to other people, creates accountability. And then all of a sudden, you're like, well, we are winners and we're going to be winners. And so, I mean, that, that's, I think that happened quickly, but it happened very acutely. Yeah. Tangent. May I, may I chip in, like, chime in really quick? Mm. Um, like, I, I, I've told Maggie and Kim and David, like, I think the huge reason why the women felt confident is, is, is a lot for Maggie. Like, I was a freshman and Maggie was a sophomore. And Maggie, she was just a badass. And, you know... Um, we would go to the grocery store and I would like fill my cart up and she's like, you're not eating this. You're not eating this. You're not eating this. And I was like, well, that's rude. And she's like, you have to fuel your body. And I was like, you know, like she led through so many different ways. And like, when I went to Auburn, like Mimi had won and there was maybe, you know, a couple, like another championship, but like, it wasn't the powerhouse it was, but like, I really credit a lot to like Kim and David, but like Maggie for someone as an athlete to be like, she was like, you're going to do this. And if you do this, you're going to win. And I, it was like, if Maggie hadn't been in Auburn, like, I don't want to take it all away. Like who knows what had happened, but she held all of us, especially my freshman class accountable. And 
we listened to her and then what she brought was being competitive and we were we were so competitive like we Maggie and I lived together forever like it was whether it's like you know we're in the kitchen and someone like throws a grape in their mouth and I was like well I can do two then I can do three and then we spend two hours to see who can get the most grapes in their mouth like the competitive nature on our team was ridiculous um but it all I really truly believe it stemmed from Maggie and like she was like I'm turning this team around because she had the power to do that as a sophomore so I credit a lot to Maggie's leadership and like if you want to be good this is what you're going to do and we were like okay we you're fast like we want to be fast too so we'll just listen to what you do like I'm sorry I was mean to you sometimes. <laughs> well, maybe a little. Well, <laughs> well, how do you how do you identify that, David and Kim? Like you're, you know, you, you've got Demro who comes in after these two, who obviously are very competitive. You know, you've got a certain number of slots. You got five or six positions on your team. How do you pick Demro, who then is going to respond to what Maggie and Mimi are telling you? You know, like how do you pick the the talent that you want on your team? Well, to, to, win, to be a championship program, to win championships, especially to build something that's going to sustain over years, it's not one thing. It's about 150 things that, that go well. And if, and if two or three things are off, honestly, like your, your selection or you have a really bad apple on the team, you know, we would bet out the team a little bit. We would challenge the team. Part of the gauntlet they would go through in the fall in the dryland program it was purely for toughness. It was for toughness and survival and something that would anchor in them that they knew they went through. Mm-hmm. And so I think one of the things you got to remember about championship level mindset and championship performance, it's, it's usually not one big thing, but there usually is one or two big catalysts. I mean, Maggie, when she came in, came in, she was a five-star recruit, but then she got in the water and did workouts that were in some cases, mind-blowing. I remember to this day, six 200s from a push. I am. Uh, They're only on 310, so they weren't on some high-rest interval. She started off under two minutes from a push, and all six were under two minutes, last of 158. And I just remember thinking, that, I was like, okay, I'm sure no human being's ever done that set before. I'm sure that's never been done by anybody in the history of the world. And then sure enough, later on, she's, she's the first person to break 154 in the IM, and and went on to some amazing things, world champion in the IM. So she had a, an incredible career, but her legacy is what you hear in here, is that she brought a lot of people with her. She made people believe that they could do it, and then she took action on that too. And when you have something like that, that's what, that's what happens. And so, you know, people like Demaray and the, and the, and the swimmers that, that come in and get impacted by that, the fun thing there is that, you know, Demaray was third place at the USA Olympic trials. Now, if you'd have told me when she, we recruited her from Wyoming that she'd be, you know, the first alternate on the USA Olympic team, I'd be like, uh, yeah, we couldn't even hope for that. But she did that. And uh, that's because of the culture of the team. You know, Kim Bracken wasn't just working with the athletes on the team. We would have knockdown, drag out staff meetings that the swimmers never even knew about. And there would be times she'd be fighting for the women's team in the staff meetings and if and if and there'd be even semantical errors of somebody calling uh the, in the the girls team she'd shut that down right away it's not girls it's women and uh you know so there was a you know there was things going on like that that created those 150 things that needed to be ticked, either ticked the box or shifted the, the to the right way and that's what changed the direction of the ship and put it toward 
championship direction. Mm, I love that. Kim, we were talking off air earlier where you were said specifically about an incident that you knew at some point in time in 2001, before you won your first championship in, in 02, that you knew that that moment was when, when, when you guys were going to win. Talk to us about that. Yeah. Let me set it up this way for a second here. You talked about picking the right people. Like, how did you pick Demeray? Like, in all honesty, we're recruiting like 20 young women at that time, sure. right? Like, so mm -hmm. she's picking us. We're trying to pick her. I think that, and I've picked wrong plenty of times, right? It's, you bring in people and then the team helps to shape them. So Maggie helped to shape Demery. Demery could have been a bad apple potentially, right? But she was around really good people who helped to shape her along the way. Mm. So it's, I just want to point that out. And, and in this experience, we were on the track. It was for circuit. PK was leading um, our, well, it wasn't circuit that day. It was just dry land. And PK is and the strength coach. Brian Karkowska. And we're running 800s. And they had to run it under a certain amount of time. Demaray, do you remember what the time was? It was, it was not a, like two people made it. Everyone it else failed. slow. Yeah, <laughs> let's say it was like, no, I don't think it was slow. run at all. It was, no, it was like two minutes. It was fast. And I'm like, I would, all, he would pick these crazy times, run the stadium stairs 20 times in under five minutes. Oh, like, you're like, yeah, happen. we're that's like, you're happen. delusional. Right? Like, but that's but not going to happen. It would happen on rep number 58. It would happen. That's what was so yeah. mind blowing. You guys would will yourselves because you were so competitive and you held yourselves accountable. Right? So in this moment, we're running 800s under two minutes. I'm going to call it. And That's we had quick. to. That's a fast 800. Yes. It was fast. It was something I couldn't have done just on my own. Or, I, or even like runners. <laughs> couldn't have done it on my own. And um, so they're running and it's like you have to make five of them. I don't know. We were probably on rep number 15. And I'm like, we are going to be like class starts soon. Um, they're running. They're at the third turn and everyone's cheering. There's, there's a group of people cheering guys, people who are like trainers. And I see women grabbing Aileen Coparopa, La Bamba, our sprinter, right? She's like the one she can't run to save her life. They're dragging her along as she's throwing up and they're running, holding her by the arms, pushing her from the back. People in the front are running, screaming, and they run it under, they're like 159. Let's just say it. It was in that moment, as they're dragging her along that last curve, I'm like, this is why we are going to win a national championship. We are winning a national championship this year, and this is why, right here in this moment. I, I knew it 100%. Mm. Because people were selfless. People were not giving up. Um, they were determined and it was just sweat and grit and fire and they could have given up on rep, five reps before and just walked away. But there was this decision that was made amongst the team. And I knew I would see that again and again and again. If it's happening in October, the beginning of October, it's going to happen at the end and it's going to happen in November and on Christmas training and as we get ready for SECs. And when we did go to SECs and got third, because we didn't have enough depth, nobody gave up. We, we reminded them, okay, we have enough people on this team, enough studs on the team, 
to outscore the rest of the country, right? Because of the people who, um, we didn't have enough depth to, to, to beat Florida and Georgia. But I, I was like, remember, remember what this team is made of and know that we have the point scores. And there was like one moment of doubt. And then people were like, okay, again, they just bought in. We went over to Miss Diane's and we made t-shirts. <laughs> so I guess Maggie and, and, and Dem, you were on the first championship team. What can you guys tell us about that team that, that, that made it the first winners, you know, as opposed to kind of the story that Kim just told, is there anything else you can add to that? Um, I mean, I think she, that, that's a, just a really good example of what we went through over and over and over again that year. It was just proving ourselves, going through just awful training and hurdles of like proving, proving it to ourselves and to each other that we are worthy of this goal. And then you know, gaining confidence step by step and then getting to the meet. I mean, I, I remember how, like Demray and I roomed together at NCAAs and we were like, well, first, let me back up. That conversation with Kim after getting third at SECs, I will remember for the rest of my life that you and David, I mean, it was like we had these goals and you told us and we believed that we were going to win NCAAs all year. And then we got third at SECs. Although individually, we all swam pretty fast. So it's not like individually anybody was necessarily upset with our swims. We were like, well, we got third. That's mm. super disappointing. And then it's like you guys recognized that you needed to like reset it. And we, that's how much we believed in you and ultimately ourselves and each other, but just the leadership of what you, okay, well, if you say that it's fine, then it's fine. And it's okay, it's over, we're good, we're on. And it was like the next day we were moving on. And then it, it just, it all happened. And then in, at NCAAs, like, it, it, it's like, it just started happening. Like everything that we planned for and thought through every practice for 365 days or you know it, it was coming to fruition and we were like oh my god we're gonna win <laughs> like they were having a conversation like laying like that night like one night like the second night we were like nobody wanted to like see it we were like okay don't this didn't happen the way this conversation happened but we're gonna win like yeah and aren't we and we're like yeah i think <laughs> it's, it's happened like we are this is happening and it was just and I, I will also say one of the things that I think I mean there's many ways to be fast I can only pull from what happened at Auburn but you guys coaches you know in an everyday basis it was horrible but it made but what was horrible it was very painful physically it was very painful mentally it was hard. It was a hard life. We didn't really know any different, but at NCAAs, we weren't like that nervous because we were nervous in November and December and January and Febu February, like going to practice before the set. We were nervous all the time because 
everything meant so much. And at the time we're like, well, it's just practice. <laughs> but but it made, it, it's like it, it desensitized us for NCAA. So then you're not nervous. You are just so excited that it's there. I can finally get to do what I have been like training for this whole time. Like I was scared a long time ago. I am ready and excited now. You know, and David, that, do you that's... remember, wait, one, one little thing. Do you remember, David, we stood by the starting blocks at Texas and you just nudged me and you said, look over at the pool. And all the girls were like, just chit chatting. They were so happy. You guys were so mm -hmm. relaxed. And I was like, you're right. You're like, this is, is exactly what we need. And it, I think it's exactly what you just said, Maggie. You were done being nervous. It was like, this is it now. This is it. I will say though, to a lot of like, as Kim and David as coaches and as a coach now, like, and it's hard to be as a coach, like we were so coachable and we just, you told us to do something, we would do it. Like, you know, it didn't matter what, how crazy it was, like the trust that we had in you guys, cause we're like, okay, we want to be fast, but our coaches want us to be just as fast as, as we want to be. So like, I think in coaching now, it's just so different. Like the one thing that I think that we all bought into was like, we trusted every single word that you guys said. It was crazy. And we're like, this makes no sense. And we're going to talk about you in the locker room, but we did it. Like I, we did it. And like Maggie to experience, like we had at NCAAs, we would like Maggie just went 153 in the 200 I am. Like no one had gone under 155 and she just went 153. And I was like, you're really fast. And I was like, <laughs> I think we might win. And what solidified it to me 100%, and I know you guys will agree, was Jenny. watching Je Jenny Anderson, lane eight, and like mm -hmm. heat two, and she made top eight, and I was like, we are untouchable. Like, we are winning. To, like, we are winning. Like, watching Jenny Anderson, who mm -hmm. was good, but like kind of like all of us, minus Maggie and Kirsty and Margaret, like, we were good, but like, we became great that meet. Mm -hmm. And it was because of people like Maggie and Kim and David, like we just trusted you guys so much. And that, that'd be my message to anyone who wants to swim in college. Like just trust your coaches. Like they spend hours thinking about you and wanting you to be faster than you want to be. Like, I don't know, like you guys mentally prepared us for, for, for life. Mm. I would add to that mix, Ralph Crocker. Yeah. Right. Mm. Like, I'd like to hear how Ralph's House of Pain, <laughs> our hop, um, Maggie was in it consistently during the week. Uh, Demeray joined that group on Thursdays. And um, I just I would love to hear you guys talk about how that group infiltrated the rest of the team and gave the whole team confidence as if everyone had done those crazy. Well, Ralph was the, the distance coach, right? Yeah. So, so Kim, what did you primarily coach? So I was like in charge of kind of the women sure. overseeing it. And yep. then I was more middle distance and backstroke. And I would go to our hop Ralph's house of pain on Thursdays and coach that group where some of the middle distance kids would go in to get just some extra volume. Well, this, so is, an, this is an interesting topic, David, because you know, uh, there's many coaches listening to this podcast and they want to figure out the formula. So what you did really well as the head coach is you let Kim be Kim and, and, and manage the women's group, but also coach middle distance. But then you let Ralph, who was a, a genius 
coach the his own group and call his group AHOP. He had his own name for it <laughs> and uh, an own identity. So within the head coaching structure, you have these people who have their own identity who, who are doing marvelous things, but it, but it all gels. So first of all, how do you come up with that formula? And then why did you let these people do what, what they did best? Well, well Brett, it, again, the championship culture is you start with the end and then you back up from there. So the, at the end of what we look, we're looking for is results and a moment in time. So we knew that, like Maggie said, in a moment in time, you're going to have to be tough at the spoken moment of the NCAAs. In order to create that, there's no way that, you know, one coach or even, even a couple of coaches could create that. So it needed to be a team of coaches. And so depending on the year, depending on the person, we try to take the strengths of the coach and really maximize those. And Ralph was uh, brilliant at relationship. He had a, a long career as a club coach at, uh, at, at Pensacola and then in Pinecrest for a long time. So he knew what these, you know, these distance swimmers needed. And honestly, I was uh, not, you know, I just wasn't a good distance coach. I, I couldn't pay attention beyond about, 350s and then then uh, so Ralph not only paid attention he had passion for everybody in the group and uh the, I remember the year when we were recruiting you know the two fastest milers in the country uh you know Haley Pearsall and Adrian Bender and and by then Ralph had enough success to where he could lay out that here's the time drops we've had in our distance events yes I know Auburn is known as a sprint program but here's here's what this thing looks like and that's the fullness of the team and, and we just let Ralph be Ralph and, and, and really uh, give that. But, you know, Brett, you're a great example. I mean, after you'd come back from being back in Australia, you came back to be on the coaching staff for a short time. Uh, it didn't take me, what, what a, a couple of months, and you had the sprinters to yourself. I mean, you, you were running them. And uh, I have, you know, there, there aren't many first-year coaches that have never coached before and they go into coaching that, uh, that I would do that for. Dave Durden was a little bit like that, where early on you could see that, he had that connection and the skill set, so he got the fly group, you know, and, he, and we rocked in fly. So and it almost like took a little pressure off me in that it allowed me to step back and look at the sort of macro vision of the team. So I would sort of dive in in January and coach really tune into the four or five people that needed to score more points, whether it be on the men's or women's side, and really take care of them. Chip Crush is one of them because, you know, vers versatile swimmers that – that we needed in specific events because we might be weak in events. So I'd, I'd, you know, I'd spend some time on that. And by having the staff uh, enabled and, and confident running, running, you know, their parts of the program uh, made a big difference, but Brett, we did train a lot together. So I would say, you know, 30 to 40% of our practices, maybe more than that, we did training together. Oh, Wednesday we'd be a two team set, yeah. you know, one, one day a week. Oh, most of the time. Yeah. So we did um, everything together. And then I think maybe my second year there, I was like, well, the women need to do something separate. Until the boys couldn't keep up, really. <laughs> I, I'd left really, Oh, we're going to not do quite so much. <laughs> yeah. We would have a separate women's workout, like once a week. And then maybe it got to twice a week. Yeah. But we okay. did everything together, okay. which I loved. Mm -hmm. It was good. Yeah. Yeah, but, they're, they're, you know, that's tough. You know, I was terrible at um, trying to pull it all together. You know, you, you were the, 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 the maestro up there with the conductor, the orchestra, mm -hmm. you know, like 
pulling pulling the whole thing together, David. So, you know, Demaray's a coach now. She knows how difficult it is to bring groups together. You know, we've all been there. So, so how did you manage in terms of building this dynasty and, and then holding it together? How, you know, people want to know that. How do you hold it together so that everybody has their identity? Kim has her identity. But at the same time, David's the head coach and everybody knows it. And we're all fighting for the same thing in the end. We're not fighting against each other. I think it's, it's a selection and development. So the, the, you know, once people have come to the program, I mean, Brian Karkowska was a big part of a PK, our strength coach. He's sort of the initiator the first month, and he would, he would sort of take everybody. And, and, and by the end, we would have to sort of protect some athletes. We knew that, like, Aileen Koparopa, you couldn't put her through the whole circuit. She had to be a little bit – she had to wear an orange shirt uh, like, uh, like uh, Cesar Cielo did. You know, you'd have to sort of protect them a little bit. Okay, Caesar, you don't really have an injury, but you're going to act like you have an injury and we're going to into the room because you're, you're not going to let you. We, they, we will break them. Yeah. Out of the water. So, we had, so there were even things like that, nuances within the team that we knew we had to do to sort of take care of things. And our hop was not only a place where, uh, where people delightfully went in an hour early on Tuesday and Thursday, but it was also a place we'd sort of punish people every now and then. Like, yeah, I've been doing enough. You've been lazy. You've been wimpy. You can do it two ways. Either you can try harder all the time or you can go do more volume with our hop. And so we sort of always had that to sort of throw at them. And then I'd say finally, I think the, the, the whole aspect of, of sort of, you know, wellness within the team, there's a lot of checking in by the team. Our Wednesday meetings were, I think pretty effective at just sort of checking in with everybody and making sure that uh, we're all moving in the same direction. And one of the things, you, you know, Kim, you and I, Brett, we're not coaching college, you know, anymore. And uh, one of the things you sort of miss is that team momentum uh, that, that kind of happens with a group like this. And, and at Auburn, you had history pushing it also. You had hope of the future pulling it because we, we had an Olympic uh, aspect to our program too. It wasn't just NCAA. Our athletes were preparing for the summer events as well. And I think that helped kept keep them honest in the springtime. And that's the culture we, we try to develop in terms of the, the ongoing process. Mm, I love it. Um, Mimi, you know, other than yourself, who were some of the, the women that you can remember that were kind of the, uh, the initial, you know, uh, you know, leaders in terms of changing the culture? Can you name a couple of women that had an impact around the time that you were swimming? Uh, definitely Kathy. Kathy Searcy, so, who's now Kathy, Kathy Durden. I mean, definitely Kathy. Um, you know, Maggie, I mean, even as a freshman, she was... Um, you know, instrumental and in, in yeah. that. Yeah. 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 I, I would like to point out um, Katie Taylor was somebody who had that same sort of drive, sort of reminds me of a lot of the stuff that, that Maggie's talking about. And um, so Katie was somebody who was just, she was a sprinter and she just decided she was going to be great. Um, and then I think of turning point two for us was, Rada Owen making becoming the first female Olympian um and that you know you can recruit on that we have an Olympian you know um so that was um she's she is somebody who who maybe wasn't the most vocal leader but led by example she worked hard and she was successful mm. um but it was like it was the first the the relay at SEC's 99 Broke the American record. 
Brooke Monroe, Katie Ryan, Katie Taylor, Mimi Bowen, correct? Mm. We didn't even know it, right? They just won and we were excited they won. It wasn't until like a minute after, like, oh my gosh, they broke the American record. There were little moments like that of greatness that I think really kind of instilled this idea that these athletes should trust us. They keep talking about, we just trusted our coaches. Well, you don't just, no freshman walks on a pool deck and just says, I'm going to automatically trust this coach that they don't know. It's because the rest of the team, the upperclassmen trust and encourage you to trust. Come on, come with us. Just follow your freshman. You just follow right now. Work hard and just do the right thing. And if you do, we're going to be okay. Um, yeah. And that's, that is something that, again, picking the right kind of people makes a big difference. I've been parts of other staffs, my own staff wasn't as good at that at different places. Right. Yeah. And so I think having the David was um, David, you are exceptional at getting the surrounding yourself with other really good people. Mm. Who, well, you know, Kim, the, the number one person I surrounded myself with was this lady right yeah. here. Come here. <laughs> and you guys know that without, without Kristen, uh, you know, she was always behind the scenes and I, and honestly, mm. she was a, a swimmer at Berkeley and, uh, and was someone that, that, that was always sort of checking in with me on the temperature of people. She could come on the deck and read body language and go, David, you know, what's going on with that person? Mm. So that was always going. On. So it was, it was the 150 things, Brett, I'm talking about, you know, those are, those are, they all add up and, and, you know, I married well. So mm -hmm. that helped. You did. You did. There's no doubt about that. Demaray, um, in order to create a, uh, a championship that is going to sustain over a long period of time, you got to need, you need some superstars and you guys had some eventually, and you were known as the recruiter, you know, the person that could recruit, what was some of your, uh, you know, your tactics or your theories or whatever <laughs> you did, you know, in order to, to bring in people like Kirstie Coventry, who would then have a massive impact on the program? Well, I think in general, I just like people, but very early, I realized that everyone has a role. Maggie was a superstar. That's her role. We're competitive. I was like, well, I want to be the best at something. And I was like, the easiest way to be the best at something is, is recruiting. So I was like, I'll be the best recruiter that Auburn's ever had. And then that competitive nature. And so for me, it was, you know, Kim would be like, Hey, you have to recruit people who are better than you. And I was like, that makes a lot of sense. Like you have to check your ego. You have to be selfless. And I was like, this, this will be my like legacy to help is recruit people who are faster and better. And then Auburn continues to win championships. So I think we had a really good, and Maggie can chime in too. Like we had a, we just loved recruiting and you know, I'm, I remember Demar, example, you loved recruiting. I did. <laughs> you loved it. Yeah, I did and it, not care for it. <laughs> Not that I didn't want fast people to come. I really liked it. It was just, it was hard. It was tiring. It was entertaining other people. And you just, that was your jam. It was my jam. That was not what you only thing that you were great at. You were a great, just dynamic creator within our team. And, you know, if one, when you're on board with something, you bring other people in. And that's a, that's a huge, a huge thing. Thanks. Yeah. Well, give us some Thanks. specific yeah. stemmeray on, on t in terms of the recruiting. Like if someone's listening to this, what does it mean to be a great recruiter? What do you have to do? You have to be willing to give up your time and your energy and see the bigger picture. And, you know, 
I don't know if she listens to this, but like I remember Dana Kirk was coming to campus and Dana Kirk was a phenomenal butterflyer. And Kim was like, we want Dana. I was like, well, yeah, we all want Dana. And she's like, well, if she comes, she'll probably replace you on the, on relays. And I was like, well, you know, if it makes Auburn better, then that that's the big picture. And I was like, I have two choices. I could try to be faster than Dana um, and we all get better. But like, I was like, well, I, I'm going to work equally hard now this challenge to get Dana Kirk to come to Auburn. She didn't, she went to Stanford, but it's just thinking of the big picture and the people that you could help bring in. Like I love that, you know, I, I helped Adrienne Bender come to Auburn. The amount of time I spent talking to her on my own, no one told me to do this. Like I would call her on my own, you know, at, at Sunday nights at like 8 PM and we would talk for hours. Like I was just invested in good people mm that he would make Auburn succeed coming to Auburn and it's exhausting. However, you just have to think of like what you want to leave your program. And I think everyone should leave their program better than they found it. Yeah. I love that. That's, that's great advice. And, and, and there's a lot to learn there, you know, investing time is, is the key on that. Um, let me ask you, Kim, you know, you won in 02, the first one, when did you actually leave Auburn? When was your last championship? Uh, well, we were second my last year. We were, it was an 05. Oh, 05. So you went 02, 03, 04, three in a row. So talk to us about how do you, how do you go back to back? You have that moment on the track where you know the first one, hey, in, in three or four months, we're going to win our first one because this is happening. How do you then back up and win the next two in a row after that? Hmm. Good question. I, know, um, I only ask good questions. Yeah. I think one of the benefits is the 11 women on that first championship first championship team were young. Um, so we, it wasn't like, I don't, did we have any seniors? I don't think we had any seniors on that team. So we were, we had these good role models. We had people who, who had tasted it and experienced it and made it happen. Um, I think as good as David is as um, giving his assistant coaches responsibility and ownership I think as a coach you need to do that to your with your athletes as well right so I trusted the athletes to police themselves to take care of themselves now I was still there and overseeing things but in terms of the recruiting like I just knew that Demeray was going to take care of the women that we really really wanted to be a part of this program I knew that on days off, the team was going to be taking care of each other and, you know, checking in with one another. So it was like, we just had the right personalities to keep that momentum rolling. I don't recall it being very challenging to get back on track to win another title. And I remember in 97, my first year at Auburn, the men, we were, the championship was at home and we lost, right? You guys won and then you lost. And I remember that pain that you guys felt. And, and there was, if I remember correctly, there was this sense of like, we didn't get stuff done correctly that next year. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think maybe I learned a little bit from that. Though certainly those women didn't, none of them were there, but like not just relying on the fact that, okay, we won already. It's going to happen again. Like you have to, you have to make it happen again. And I felt like, you know, we had the staff and, the, the, the women 
where that could easily happen again if they just did the right thing. So it was more of like an, a, an encouragement kind of thing. I think the hard work had sort of, the steps have been put in place and it's like, okay, let's reset and now keep this thing rolling. I don't know if that makes sense, but it, it just didn't seem super hard to get people to just reset. It's a new year, new people, new goals. You guys, let's start running with it. Yeah. Well, in my opinion, you you guys had set a level of excellence that wasn't like, it was like, there's no other option, mm. you know, like resting or, you know, relying on something that's already happened. That's not a thing is, yeah. is, you know, in my years, it, but when we started to win, it was like, oh no, that was good, but this is going to be so much better. And let's work so much harder. If we can do that, think of what we can do. It was never we never really thought, oh, we can just kind of enjoy this. It was like. Maggie, was there ever a time where you thought to yourself, this is too much. They're pushing us too hard. Like, and, and feel like you wanted to go to the athletic director and complain about that or something like that, you know, because Demra and I have had some experiences, you know, but, um, you know, like I, I, just, yeah, I didn't get the and- sense back then that that, that happened. Yeah, that didn't happen. That's a, that is a new thing and a challenge that I, I've heard about and I, I don't Cannot get it at all mm. because it's just a, I had such a different experience and no, but I think there was a lot of like a personal conviction, like the conviction was personal and it came, I don't even know how to address things like that. Honestly, I, I got nothing like that's just, I would never think that because it's ultimately a selfish situation that you're in. You, there, everybody around you wants you to be better. Nobody is trying to hurt you or infringe on your rights. Mm. Like this is all good. Like the outcomes are all good. So I just, I, I don't, I don't know how somebody can do that, but no yeah i don't know good question i don't have a good answer for that (laughs) i don't know also too i think we just took so much pride in being tough like we were tough like i know david we've always joked with you like you know you might be a little bit different now but like you and kim like prepared us for freaking battle like we were the most physically fit and mentally tough athletes you know as a coach now like what you guys did to us we always call david yoda like i don't know what you did but like you made us so mentally tough and the challenge you would throw at us and i feel like we accepted them willingly like okay like here's a challenge i mean we're probably gonna fail but we're gonna give it our best shot like we weren't afraid to do what you guys asked us to do over and over and over and over again Mm. I think one of the things on that, on the challenges that I, the goal, the goal at the end of the day was to make training and the preparation harder than what the event was likely going to be. Mm. So, and, and Maggie explained it you know, really clearly that, that because you had gone through the gauntlet, because you had gone through the, the extreme challenges and it wasn't always sets. It was sometimes the dryland. Sometimes, you know, we would do 10 efforts right after the main set. We said, all right, that was really good, but we're going to rock 10 more. Uh, sometimes when you, you ladies stepped up against the men and kicked their ass on, on stuff. And, there'd be, and, and so I think there are a lot of scenarios where uh, that was sort of just 
built in uh, to the program, knowing that again, if you're thinking about the outcome, what's the outcome? You need the, uh, the, the Saturday morning when you go into prelims, you need to saddle up and be ready to race. And a lot of people aren't ready Saturday morning. They're exhausted. They go into that last morning. It's like, this thing going to be over. And we wanted to have a culture that we're going in and winning. And, and Kim and the women's side and on the men's side, the year before we won our first championship, arguably we sh perhaps should have won our first championship in, uh, in Long Island the year before we won our first championship. But we also had to learn from that. And the men's side, it was because of the Olympic trials and we had shaved our entire team. And on the second shave at the, at the 96 uh, NCAA men's NCAAs, we had a couple guys who live it off and not all the other teams in that particular meet had shaved everybody. So a lot of, they had a lot of guys unshaved. Uh, no, no hard feelings still. But on the women's side, you know, Kim and I, and this is a, you know, we didn't do anything perfect. We made a huge mistake at that meet. I mean, we, she and I got really excited. We're like, we're like, what can we do to help them? And we're thinking helping them is getting excited. So we, what, Kim, you, you're a better storytelling than that, but we, 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 we decorated the room the second oh, day. We oh, were, it was the, it was Friday night. So there's still Saturday morning mm. and Saturday night to go. And we stayed up late in the team room and hung toilet paper. So for those of you that don't know Auburn, Tumor's Corner, when you win a championship, gets toilet paper, TP. Mm. So it was supposed to be like the Tumor's Corner team room. And we had toilet paper everywhere. This was supposed to get them excited on Saturday morning. Oh, not a good idea. Not a good call. Bad call. Sorry, sorry about that. Bad call. It's all right. We learned from that. <laughs> <laughs> Kim, tell me this. You know, here's a key question, I think. How do you – how do you – build a team full of confident women as opposed to a team full of confident men who are full of testosterone and beat their chest, blah, blah, blah. How do you get women together? You know, because women can, can kind of work against each other at times. You know, um, we all know that like they'll get in the locker room and say certain things to each other. And there's different, there's differences between men and women. So how do you build a team of women that want to fight for each other and that want to win for each other? Um, okay. So I haven't always, I haven't, had tons of success with that. You know, I've had lots of failures with that. Um, and sitting here listening on this call, I've kind of had this little epiphany, um, sort of when Maggie was like, I don't get that. I don't get why women, why people, not women, why people would complain. Um, I think it's finding people who are, or, or teaching, which are women mm. to not take it personally. Mm it's not personal. It's like, it's about you as an athlete. It's about helping you get better. It's telling you the things that are hard to say and hard to hear, but let's be honest and let's now get better together. And I, I'm, a, I take fault with this too. It's hard to not th take things personally, right? Well, they must not like me. Mm. They must like her more than me. Mm. Um, and so I think if you can communicate well enough with somebody where they know you still care about them as a person, but you're trying to challenge them to get uncomfortable and to push themselves and to believe in themselves in a different way that they never have before or to tune out the noise from over here. I think then you can develop a team of confident women. And it, we said it earlier, it can take one bad apple. You can have one person that is just constantly and I've been a part of those teams too. And it's, it's, 
come to my demise as a college coach. Um, so I think that I strive now, I have a, a daughter who's 14 and that's the thing I try to impart to her the most is like, have a little bit of a thick skin, communicate. If you don't like something, if you don't like what you heard, ask, what did you really mean by that coach? Um, what, what do you think I should do? What's your advice? Don't be afraid to go talk to your coach and ask tough questions. If you're afraid to do that, write an email. I would like to talk to you about this. So it's already out there. Then your coach also has time to sort of think, okay, how do I want to answer this question? Um, so I think if you have a great group of communicators and people who are willing to be open-minded and listen and up for a challenge, I think you can have a, a group of amazing women. Um, but it's culturally, it's different. I think girls are being raised differently. I think sometimes girls and boys are a little more coddled than we used to be. People, um, everybody now has rights. <laughs> I feel like I never had rights. Like I don't get an opinion. I just do. And I felt like, you know, I've said this before, David, and I love you, but I was a number and, and I didn't, I wasn't offended by that. I, my value, you cared about me as a person and a woman very differently than, than as an athlete. And that's okay. It, it was to me. That's how I was raised. I was very used to it. So, so I guess they're just be, have, being offended and getting my feelings hurt. You know, if I don't want my feelings hurt, then be fast. Like work hard, <laughs> do the right thing. Nobody's gonna hurt your feelings. <laughs> I mean, that's, and, and I got that. That made sense to me. And I felt like you kind of set a tone with that. Kim kind of translated it differently. And, and made it work for people. And, and what you did really well is that you are a, you're a talent scout, not, not just athletes, but people and managers and other coaches. And I think that creates a dynamic that's going to win is when you see maybe what you have strengths. Well, you don't have strengths in everything, but you see other people's strengths. And then you assign that, um, where, where it's needed. And that's why you were able to let Ralph do his thing. And, and, you know, Ralph's house of pain was a symbol of confidence. Mm -hmm. Did his workout specifically make us fast? Who knows? But he, he accomplished a thing and it worked for a lot of people. Um, did Kim's workouts make us fast? I don't know. Did yours make us fast? I don't know. It, it wasn't really that. It was that we bought into it and that there are so many ways to be fast. And it's just following a leader that is charismatic and, and you just have build confidence and it's working hard in whatever way and whatever avenue gets you there. And I, I just, you know, I, I think that that will, that's always a good thing rule of thumb to forget yourself and take things personally and just work hard and do it and believe in it and find your own way to be well, that. And I think also David and Kim, you prepared everyone that you coach at Auburn. I would say that everyone probably feels this way. You guys didn't sugarcoat things. Like we are better people in our adult lives because you were honest and you told us things that we necessarily didn't want to hear. And as a coach now and someone who's much older and you have time to reflect, like I appreciated the hard conversations you had and like 
how I, how I responded to them, how our team responded to them. Like you guys did us a service by being tough on us and loving and caring, but it's, it's the whole combination of like, you know, if you're not doing something right, I'm going to tell you what you're not doing. And we, as athletes, we have a choice to either do that or we don't. And if you do do that, like we understood, like we're going to get coached better. And we followed, we followed like your guys's direction, but you guys have made us all tougher and stronger and we feel loved and cared. But like, I wish that everyone had the experience. I tell everyone all the time, like, I wish you all had the experience that I had in Auburn. It was awesome. It sucked a lot of times. It was, it was real painful, Maggie and Mimi. Like, however, like it has made us the resilient, confident people that we are now. And it's a reflection of you two. Mm, yeah. Totally agree with that. Brad, um, I can, uh, let me chime in one thing here. Mm. Cause I think the, because, like you said, there's coaches watching this, and I don't know that college coaches could, could get away with this now. But you know, Kim and I would control every, as many things as we control that had to do with things around the deck. Mm. You know, we would fight for the right academic counselor. We would, if there was, if we got assigned a GA manager uh, on the deck that we didn't feel would help the deck atmosphere mm. better then their role was to go back in the training room and stay in the training room and practice and athletes will come see if they need you. Or there's times when we had, you know, Bill Bullock and we had Mike Mull and we had some, we had some guys who were like, Hey, get your stopwatch out, get on the deck and time some people. And, <laughs> and they, you know, they'd be pounding kickboards. And, and mm. so. Yeah, that's really, illegal. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm sure it is, <laughs> but you would, you know, you would just, you would identify people <laughs> out on the pool deck. And if you weren't making it better, and that made a big difference. And another big factor was the, I think Kim and Kim and I got really good at, at, at scouting eager people, people that coming into the Auburn program, if the, if they came on a recruiting visit and the, and the women picked up that they, you know, the conversation was, you know, I can't wait to get here so I can get away from my club coach. I mean, that's not the person we were looking for. We wanted some eagerness. We wanted people like Dem Ray who are coming in there with eyes wide open and ready to accept the challenge. And then our job was to sort of help sustain that for four years, which is, was hard to do. And because, uh, you know, people go through life in college, you know, and, and as they go through ups and downs of life. But it's really fun to sit on this call and look at all of you, including you, Brett, on this call and, and uh, you know, know that I love all these people on this call. Not, 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 a, not a I appreciate coaching. No, I love these human beings on this call. And I have my, have my whole life since I've gotten to know them. Uh, no, well, that's not true. Not every day, Brett. But you know, over over time, we've come to love each other, and uh, and it can we can express it as love. And I think when the women's team, in particular, with Kim's leadership, and later with uh, Dorsey Tierney Walker, although in a very different way, uh, uh, I think that 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 central central trust and love always had to be there in order for uh, the athleticism and the challenges to to uh, sort of be able to happen and causing you know high performance. Yeah. Well, awesome. Look, this is officially my longest podcast, so congratulations on that. Um, <laughs> we, we are winners, Brett. We will win at listen, any cost. Listen, things to say. <laughs> yeah. Listen, I appreciate it. We, we, we're going to win at all costs. That's good. Um, Kim, I'll leave the last words for you oh. because, uh, listen, you know, you, you put in years to, to build this and, and, you, and you, um, you, know, you won many times. And you were very successful. So listen, um, I'll give you the last words after David. 
to kind of leave us with in terms of just, you know, for the people that are really interested in um, how to build a championship team and, and then how to sustain it over a period of time, what, what can you leave us with that maybe you can just reiterate or maybe, you, you know, we haven't touched on yet? So um, it's about the people, right? Like David identified great staff. Mm. I'm forever thankful for that opportunity that I had to work with him and the, the people I worked with. Um, it's the people you recruit. Mm. Like it's so easy when you start getting really good to just recruit the five stars. <laughs> There's like this layer underneath of kids who are so eager um, that maybe deserve more attention. Right. Um, so keeping your eyes wide open and, and looking at programs that generally tend to, their kids tend to develop over time. They get better in college. So paying attention to that. And then it's what I found to be probably the most challenging part when I was in a smaller staff, just me and an assistant. Um, it's knowing how and being able to communicate with all the different personalities on a team and how to make people feel loved and wanted and valued while you're still kicking their ass, right? Like while you're challenging them to do things that they don't want to do. Um, Cause it's exhausting as a coach. That's exhausting to be the tough guy and the person who can put your arm around them to, you know, 30 different women. Um, but if you do all those things really well and you put good people around you, whether it's the swimmers or the academic counselor or your other assistant coaches, um, and then you build that trust. I think you heard the word trust so many times tonight. Um, that's where I think your championships can be won. Um, I don't know. I should have thought about that answer more, but those are just some little things that, that come to mind. And, you know, trusting yourself. And that's a hard thing for people to do is just believing in yourself um, that you can get this done. So yeah. I, I love the growth that I had um, with these women. They, and, and trusting that your athletes know stuff. Like I, I still, I coach kids every day and I ask these 10 year olds, what do you think? What do you see? You know, give them a voice, let them have some input. I think that's important. So like letting people communicate and trust in, in the process, I think is really important. Yeah. Well, I love it. Well, I'm sure there's probably, uh, you know, 20, 30 women back at home watching this that want to be on this right now that feel like I had something to do with this, but, uh, that's cool. You know, um, thank you. They did. Everybody, everybody counted, but listen, David, Kim, Demaray, Maggie and Mimi appreciate your time. Uh, this has been awesome. Hopefully we, we might be able to get together again, but, um, you know, I thank thankful for everybody being on here today. Thank Thanks, you. Thank you War Eagle. War Eagle. War Eagle. Absolutely. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.